0: For Travis Whitmore in North Liberty, Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC.
1: Hello there and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. It is Tuesday, August the 1st, a little bit before 9 a.m. Central Time. Hopefully you all were uh, awake to watch the uh, Women's World Cup at 2 a.m., central time mess, but for a nil nil draw with the usa moving on to the knockout round by virtue of two draws in this uh in pool play so we'll see if the americans can get it going uh in the knockout round because at this point there is no tomorrow if you go down so um, anyway, hopefully you guys survived that. If you did stay up to watch, I was not part of that. I think I went to bed around 10 o'clock last night. Uh, I'm getting old and tired earlier. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, no apologies. That's kind of, I enjoy, uh, early to bed, early to rise, so to speak. Although I didn't get up that early this morning. I think I got up around six. So coffee, set. The uninitiated, I I sip coffee during this podcast, but I imagine a lot of folks that listen uh, to the podcast are aware of my uh, little quirks, such as coffee sips. Especially need coffee this morning to get going here. Not this. I would expect this to be a, a, a on the shorter side of this podcast, um, and you guys will know how short it is when I'm done and can see when you um, download or click on the podcast to listen, the length. So I'm guessing, I'm estimating this is going to be a shorter podcast, and that's because I usually kick off or tip off or whatever whatever other sports term you want to use to get going, uh, the podcast with news and notes from around Hawkeye, Nation, uh, the Hawkeye Athletics University of Iowa Athletics Sports beat. Uh, there's just not a lot going on right now. Uh, news wise, I think the last time I talked to you, Cooper DeGene was one of um 10 players in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it was five in each Conference who were named to the Big Ten honor list, which is basically an all preseason team. Uh, for some reason, the league doesn't like to do, uh, doesn't like to pull the media or its coaches on preseason, like all conference lists. So you have to go elsewhere for those. Uh, plenty of content out of uh, our trip to Indianapolis. I think the last time we spoke last Tuesday, I was getting ready to head, head on down there. It's still a long, boring trip down I-74. Plenty of uh, construction zones uh on that trip to Indy and back was kind of a whirlwind left on uh Tuesday afternoon and was back Wednesday evening uh around 9 9 30. So that trip is in the books next week uh not before I talk to you guys again uh we will have um Friday a week from this Friday will be uh media day at Iowa for football and the next day, the week from this Saturday, will be Kids Day at Kenick Stadium. So some big events coming up there uh for Hawkeye football fans. And all those de- details can be found at HawkeyeSports.com if you're looking for uh the details on Kids Day, which this year, what is that date? I'm bringing my calendar here. Um need to get this. So it would be the 11th is Media Day and the 12th is Kids Day, uh, which is an, your only opportunity uh, to, for, to see the Iowa football team practice publicly before the season kicks off. So chance to get out and see how things look um, early on. Uh, as I said at the top, it is Tuesday, August the 1st, so camp opens today. I think it's a pretty soft opening. Uh, they just kind of get together as a team and meet and kind of lay out what camp is going to look like. Uh, And then they go from there. And then August 1st is an important date again, because college coaches can now reach out directly to the class of 2025, which are kids uh, entering their junior years of high school. So kind of a, a demarcation line for recruiting purposes. Uh I also believe that, uh, official scholarship offers can go out now to um to kids in the is it 24 or 25 class one of those classes um i think it's 24 but anyway so kids can uh can have the official offer uh in their hands i think i saw uh jalen watson tweet that out today let me see if i can find that uh i still get thrown off by twitter because i look for the bird on my uh in my my browser tab and it's a stupid x um just leave shit alone so people don't have confusion it's easy to confuse me uh what was i looking up oh yeah jalen watson to see i'm pretty sure he kicked out a uh Uh, Let's see, Watson. Sorry, this is not good podcast material. Uh, eh, I can't find it. Anyway, um, I believe um, official scholarship offers can go out today as well. So a couple of items for you to uh, mark on your calendars as uh, things kicking into action today. Um, Let's hop into your questions here. Emily, I always mess up your name and I apologize for this. Emily Castile Utero. I'm gonna go with that. Hopefully it's right. Um it's weird, Emily, because you you use the hashtag, but uh because the HF isn't capitalized, I couldn't hit it. I didn't get it when I uh hit that search. So thankfully I saw that you had tweeted me a message and a question and I'm able to get to that. And I'm going to start with you and uh, any idea when you, Iowa will make a decision on the permanent AD with Beth Getz as the favorite to land the job. Can you foresee her making changes like moving away from long coaching contracts, more interaction with the swarm changes to NIL Iowa's approach money for doing charity work? Well, I got a couple of uh, tentacles to this question. Um, I'll start with the charity work. That's part of the swarm. Um, you probably know that. That's they do a lot with United Way charities. Uh, that was Brad Heinrichs when he started the Swarm. Uh, that was one of the key components, tenets of you know starting that organization was to make sure that. Uh, uh the student athletes got involved in charity work and were compensated for that and they are doing that. Uh make a wish I think was the softball game they had uh against uh the we will collective uh at Iowa State. So that was a cool hopefully they continue doing or they can condi- they continue putting getting together and putting together uh combination type fundraisers like that with We Will and the swarm, I think they could do some really neat things with that. Some big events they could probably pull off uh, with that much star power for both schools. So uh, certainly uh, I would expect to see plenty more charity work this season, uh, this year, this, you know, scholastic year of 23, 24. Uh, as far as gets goes, um, she starts today. This is her interim uh She's beginning her interim run. Uh, She was down in Indianapolis, and I know spoke to some reporters, my podcast partner on Thursday, Scott Docterman, on the Hotspot podcast here on Hawk Fanatic, wrote a story on Beth. He spoke with her down there. And just kind of, if you're looking for an intro into who she is and what she's about, that's a really good piece. I recommend that at The Athletic uh by Scott Docterman. Check that out. But, um, I think the original timetable, Emily, was for them to let Beth go through the rest of this calendar year and then open up the search in January. Once football season ends, I think that's probably a good, uh, cutoff point or our point where you would want to do that after football. It's too, it's too chaotic during football, uh, to, you know, Hold interviews and do things like that for an athletic director at this point, it's probably uh um, the best path to take to travel is to allow her to uh kind of audition here uh for the rest of this year, but who knows i mean you could they could decide okay this is our this is our person, and we don't wanna risk losing her to somewhere else. So let's just lock her up as the athletic director. I think she's most likely to um, be named permanent athletic director or full-time athletic director. I guess nothing is permanent, but um, she will start that process today. I think we'll probably have a press conference with her at some point this month about, you know, kind of her plans and get a better – idea of kind of uh, of what her you know approaches to the position what's important to her what she sees as the future of uh, major college power five athletic departments Um, she seems qualified for the job I mean she's more qualified from a uh, experience standpoint than was Gary Barta so um she has that certainly on her resume um i don't know about the long term contracts for coaches i think those are case by case emily um there are times where you need a longer contract extension uh it, it all depends on who kind of has the the power right who is uh in the position of strength when it comes to the university or a coach hopefully you have a relationship where there it's not a it's not an us versus them or him or whatever, you know, or her. It's there's there's a uh, a good working relationship there and those things can be worked through. But it is business and it's a lot of money. When you consider the head football coach at Iowa makes seven and a half million dollars a year, um, that's big time negotiation. Um, and when they replace Kirk Ferentz, whenever he decides to uh, move on, he is uh, sixty eight. And uh, we'll see what his future holds. But uh, his family's in town. He's got his grandchildren in town. His son works for him. His son-in-law works for him. Um. So we'll see kind of where that goes. But I don't know. I think she'll probably take the coaching contracts on a, on a case-by-case basis, which is the way to go. I think the most important thing in your question, Emily, um, is will there be more interaction with the Swarm? Uh so and and changes to <laughs> I was in I uh, it wouldn't take much because Gary was not engaged at all with the swarm, Gary Barta. So whatever Beth does here moving forward will be an upgrade. But I think she understand understands, better understands the landscape mm-hmm. of college athletics right now. She's on social media. Um you know, Jamie Pollard does that. I think you have to engage with your fans a little bit more than just being in the ivory tower, uh, and just coming out for big donor events. Uh, you need to interact with your fan base and keep that going. I was very good at self, a uh, self, self-sustaining athletic department at this point after the 50 million that was borrowed from the general fund back for COVID that's still going to be paid off Um, but I think she's hopefully proactive and progressive in her thought when it comes to college athletics and not just reactive and we've seen too much reaction in the last almost couple decades, I guess, 18 years, however long Gary was here. It's time to be proactive. And I I get a sense that we're going to get that from Beth Getz here. uh, If this is, in fact, an audition here for the last, what is it, five months of the the year. Um, And then we'll see. I mean, she certainly has a chance to kind of take it and run with it here if she can – uh, and I'm sure she has plenty of ideas, and I have not read, read Scott's piece yet, so I need to take my own advice and do that. Um, but I advise you folks to to check out Scott Docterman's piece on The Athletic on Beth Getz. Uh, Terry Cole, and this is uh, – Terry, you need to use – this is T.A. Cole. Thank you for the question, by the way, Emily. It's good to hear from you. Uh, Terry Cole, T.A. Cole, 1771, was lucky that I went back to find Emily's uh, question because he did not use the hashtag. Um, and he asked me the effect on team chemistry. If Gable Stevenson joins wrestling team and replaces Cassie Opie, uh, well, as it looks now, it does not look like that's going to happen. I know the window and door is still open for him to come back to college, but it looks like he is all in on WWE. So I don't think that that is going to be, uh, an issue with, uh, with the pro with the team this year. And I know at least from what I've heard, the wrestling team had the most student athletes involved in this gambling investigation. So I wonder how much that plays into, and I'm not naming names. I don't know who it is. I've heard names, but how much impact that will have on the wrestling lineup this year, certainly more than Gable Steveson, who's going to uh, try to, ratchet up his WWE career and make enough money to to retire. Marty Bickle at Bickle Marty this is from 12 hours ago and also not using the hashtag who are DBs that are going to be the big hitters um, I think Wong pa is a big hitter. I think Cooper DeJean a big hitter. Uh, Sebastian Castro is certainly a big hitter if I was going to pick one it would probably be him. Uh, Quinn Schulte can hit as well Um, those would probably be the guys most likely, uh, if I'm picking one, it's going to be Sebastian Castro. I think he is the, uh, um, he'll be on the field a lot as the cash and, uh, really like his game. Uh, I think he has a, has a chance to be really good and has developed really well in his time here. And I look forward to seeing what he can do this season. All right. I think Those are all the strays that did not use the hashtag, and I apologize that I'm having to hop around here a little bit. Um, I will go back, as I normally do, to the previous week's questions, uh, and that's the PSA for this podcast, hashtag HFMAIL. That's capital H-F-M-A-I-L. Um, I can do lowercase too and variations of it. So as long as you use the hashtag HFmail, I can go back to where I left off the previous week with questions mm-hmm. and then pick up from there uh, and jump in with your questions, as I will do here with frequent contributor. Uh, I would say weekly contributor forty four MLS at forty four MLS on Twitter. Would it be a stretch to say that Aaron Graves will have a breakout year? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, he would be one of my breakout players. Less, um, I think. The, I think the only question with Aaron is how many reps he will get and what he does in those reps, what will be asked of him and what he is able to do while he's in there. Um, coffee sip. That was a big one. Um, there's so much depth at defensive tackle. Now, we do know that Noah Shannon is involved in the gambling investigation, and that could cost him playing time, a game, I don't know what, you know, we saw what happened with the baseball players back in the spring, I'm not sure what the punishment will be, because I don't know what the the details of, of Noah's uh, participation in that, so... Um, I know it was to the point where it didn't seem like a big enough deal in the football program that they were going to bring him to Indianapolis for Big 10 Media Day before he decided to step aside and let Jay Higgins go. Um, but you look at the depth at that position, you have your two starters back with Logan Lee and Noah Shannon. Then you have Yahweh Black. Then you have Graves. Then you have, uh, Jeremiah Pittman. Then you have, Ontario Thompson the kid from um let's see from Waterloo or Dubuque one of those two uh who went to Iowa Central um there's just a lot of lot of depth there so it's going to be a matter of reps for Aaron uh but I certainly think he takes a huge step forward this year and he's probably a star in the making uh it's just going to be a matter of how much how many reps he gets cuz Iowa tends to lean towards uh experience um but I think there's going to be plenty of rotation on the defensive line this year, so he'll get his chances he'll get his reps and uh uh sorry i didn't i didn't finish your question i just stop i stopped with that um but you um i guess further described your question by saying meaning he need. Meaning he earns Big Ten honors. I know he's young, but I agree with you and Scott that he has ton of potential. I think he'll have a great year and become another Van Ness by year three. Yeah, I think next year will probably be Aaron's big year. Uh, you know, Logan and and Noel will be will move on and he'll most likely move into a starting spot. I'm interested to see if they move him around less, if if they can find ways to get him, you know, maybe uh, you know, on, on defense a little run at defensive end. He's athletic enough to do that. Um, so be interesting to see if uh they move him around and maybe um find versatility with him to be able to help all over the defensive line. But I, all big ten is gonna be tough. Um I think you get what eight defensive linemen in the conference on the first two teams for media. But it certainly has that possibility. I think for him to be all Big Ten, he's going to have to put up numbers because he's not going to be out there as much for people to see the a huge body of work. It's going to be people like looking at what Deontay Craig did last year and say, oh, he had six and a half sacks in so-and-so reps. I mean, I think that would help his case as well. By the way, this question from Wes came from July 30th, which was Sunday. Thanks for that question, Les. And Les has another one here, also from uh, July 30th. Have you tried the Swarm beer? I have not. Um, So I can't – I'm going to read your whole question. Have you tried the Swarm beer? If so, how would you rate it? What's been the overall reaction to it? Since they don't sell it out here in Pennsylvania, I'll have to wait until I make it home for the holidays. Just curious. Thanks. Thanks. I have heard good feedback less. Um, I don't know how much of that is just people liking that there's a beer that represents the swarm and, uh, supports the NIL, which is great. I mean, if that's why you're drinking it and you're supporting the student athletes, fine, great. Um, I, uh, I won't do that. I'm going to drink what tastes good, <laughs> but I've heard it does taste good and I've heard it is, uh, smooth. Uh, it's not high in alcohol content, so you don't have to worry about getting sloshed by drinking a couple of them. You could probably sample one or two, uh, you know, at your local watering hole. And, uh, from there, maybe, um, take the rest home or take a six pack to go or four pack to go or whatever they are. But, uh, yeah, that's a a good deal. Um, for the NIL I'm interested to see what other ideas they come up with as we move forward here, uh, through the second year of this, uh, swarm collective, what other ideas and, and, uh, um, projects they could come up with. Cause there's so many, I think the, the possibilities are endless with how they can do, how they can raise money and come up with products and promotions, uh, It's fun. It's cool to see that the student-athletes are getting some some more kickback for their efforts. They work harder than anybody else over there, so they deserve it. Uh, This is a good time to take a little break. Hit me with some more coffee. Uh, We'll be back on the other side to finish up with your questions and uh, comments, so hang in there. Dude, want to let folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health issues throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited for their great work. And for the support of the podcast, be back here in a minute. Let's hear from a few more of our sponsors. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance.
0: As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at StreetsMaintenance.com and Facebook or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, Milwaukee, and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them.
1: And we're back. Appreciate the, our sponsors. Thank you for their support of the podcast and, uh, and allows us to bring you these podcasts free of charge. No Patreon or any of that funny business. You can uh subscribe, download, like, do all that stuff. It helps support us and helps us bring you these podcasts free of charge, as I said, uh on all your all of your platforms. Uh, we normally have a Hawkeye-centric podcast. Monday through Friday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the flagship with Pat Hardy and the guys at KCJJ. Tuesday's the Mailbag, Thursday's the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast with myself and Scott Docterman from The Athletic, and then we also throw in some other fun podcasts there. Um, Dallas Jones has a podcast, Just Jones Johnson, that's, that comes up periodically. I do a prospect podcast. I also do, and if Emily's still listening, I I I've been – rolling around, is that the right term? Rolling around in your head. Um thinking of, I guess, uh ideas for my uh substance before style podcast. Haven't done one of those in a while, but want to get back to doing some of those at least one of those a month, I think would be good. But um we'll let you guys know if uh if and when those happen but just check out the feed subscribe to our feed it's uh the hawk fanatic podcast feed and all of these will come to your platform in your box and download and you can just get them as soon as they come out and just have a big party all right let's jump back in here uh let me see it's x (laughs) uh california hawkeye at d Freen on twitter uh, have you heard rumors that Clemson, FSU, Oregon, and Washington joining the Big Ten this week? The Spun is putting it out there. I don't follow the Spun very much, Dean. Uh, I don't know how accurate that, uh, news resource is, but, uh, I know there are a lot of rumors out there, and that is one that I've heard, the Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, Washington. I think, uh, there are some, uh, Some sticking points, I think, for the ACC teams in terms of getting out of that league um, financially. uh, I I don't know a ton about it, but that's part of the sticking point I've heard for that. Um, The Pac-12 appears to be crumbling uh, with Colorado going back to the Big 12, and I think there is a Regents uh, meeting about the Arizona schools today. Uh, the Regents in Arizona's meeting, uh, and there's a, there's some thought that Arizona and Arizona State could be heading to uh, the Big Twelve as well. Um, I I think we're going to be calling uh, programs at this level in the future Power Four schools because I just it's going to be hard for the Pac-12 to survive this, and that's just. It's a shame the history of that conference UCLA basketball USC football um and both of those schools are going to the Big 10 as we know just it's a shame that a conference like that with that type of history with the Rose Bowl is going to be no more uh but it's going to I I I'm not sure how it survives uh you know maybe you can keep schools like Oregon and Washington and and then Utah and add in like San Diego state and Boise state. Um, that would be your, it seemed like, again, we talked, we're going back to the Beth gets conversation, um, and the hope that she's proactive instead of reactive. It seemed like the PAC 12 when, you know, the conference, uh, expansion poaching, however you want to, however you want to frame it, it is poaching, um, The SEC poached Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12. The Big 10 poached USC and UCLA from the Pac-12. The Big 12 started poaching when it started to happen to them and ended up with Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, while the Pac-12 just kind of stood around and didn't do anything, didn't get a TV, still doesn't have a TV contract that it can announce. It's just the leadership of the Pac-12 compared to the Big 12 has been night and day. And that's why the Big 12 looks like it's going to be able to survive conference expansion after having its two marquee brands in Texas and Oklahoma poached away. They were able to land on their feet, whereas the Pac-12 still doesn't look like a year later has figured out a way to react to losing USC and UCLA. Now, granted, it's easier for the Big 12 as a conference that's more in the middle of the country from a geographic standpoint to pull in schools, whereas the Pac-12 is mostly West Coast, so you have a limited amount of schools that you can pull there unless you start pulling from, you know, mountain, which they have mountain schools, but then Midwest, you know, South, East, it would be hard to do that. The Big 12, the Big 10's f- figured it out because it's basically just gone coast to coast. Uh, schools on the East coast, schools on the West coast, and then everything in the middle. Um, but I don't know what happens to the Pac 12. Um, that wasn't your question. Clemson, FSU, Oregon, Washington would put, uh, that would put the Big 10 at 20 schools, right? I think that's probably enough. And then you break it up however you want to break it up, four or five team pods. Um, I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> how you're able to to divvy that up but i have not heard any more than the rumors you've heard dean uh in terms of expansion in the big 10 we hear the big 10 saying it's set it's not looking to expand i i think at some point uh somebody needs to figure out how to get notre dame in the big 10 it's just that seems like the most natural fit it would benefit the conference and benefit Notre Dame. I like I think Notre Dame likes that independence and likes that TV contract with NBC. And it it was and it's always been lucrative for the Irish, but the Big Ten now has a TV contract that would pay them more than what they get from NBC. I believe that's the case anyway, or at least a similar amount. And then you have that conference affiliation uh for all your sports, not just uh football. So Hopefully that's what happens. I'm hoping at some point, and I, but I've been hoping that since I started on this covering Iowa athletics in 1997. So, and Notre Dame is still not in the Big 10. And we've heard through the years, how many stories have we heard about, uh, you know, the potential of Notre Dame joining the Big 10? Maybe it never happens, at least in our lifetime. We'll have to. Have to wait and see, but it seems like the rubber's meeting the road here in terms of conference expansion, and nobody wants to wait and be left behind. So my guess is the Big Ten powers that be are pushing hard uh, with school, and there's a lot of conversations going on behind closed doors right now, and uh, they'll figure something out. And uh, my guess is the Big Ten will expand again Um and the schools that you list, Dean, are certainly schools that would be on the radar, Washington and Oregon specifically. Uh, you get the Seattle market and you get the Portland markets on the West coast, along with the LA market. And you're in pretty good shape on that side of the country. And then you go the opposite way. You've got Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland, which gives you a big chunk of the TV market on the, you know, in that in the East coast that, you know, Atlantic region. So big. Big Ten's in in fine shape and can be more selective now, too. So um we'll see where that goes. Uh C right at C right 0984. With the Big Ten, will the Big Ten just leave USC and UCLA on an island, or are more West Coast teams inevitable? That kind of piggybacks Dean's question. Um yeah, I think I thought Colorado might be a option for the big 10 uh just having just location um dion being there maybe being able to pull that program back up it's been bad for so long um but maybe the big 10 is looking more at like washington and oregon and maybe even utah uh to join um i could see you know going utah oregon washington notre dame perhaps um That would probably be my foursome to finish up the, the 20, but that's without giving it a whole lot of thought. I don't think they'll leave them on an island. Uh, but we've, we've seen, I think the athletic did a, wrote a piece on, uh, travel for USC and UCLA is going to be difficult. Um, especially when you consider, you know, that those schools may will have matches in other sports, not only football with Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State. That is a long trip. Uh, that is a long haul and hopefully, at least in maybe the non revenue sports, the, you know, it's going to take more tutoring. It's going to take more, um, of a focus academically for these student athletes out of the actual classrooms. But, you know, with, with online learning and what we've, um, what's sprouted since COVID? I'm sure that they will be able to do their schoolwork uh, on road trips. But what I was getting to is if you have like UCLA's playing softball against Rutgers and Maryland, or Rutgers and Penn State, or Maryland and Penn State, have it have them go there for the week and play the two series during the week, you know, so it's just one trip back east and knock those out that way, or vice versa, if Rutgers. Maryland or Penn State is going to USC, have them play USC and UCLA on that trip and knock both of those out on that trip. I think it's going to take some creative scheduling, uh, but hopefully the league finds a way to limit the travel as much as possible for those West Coast schools. And they have a model for that with somewhat with the, the Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland coming as far west as Nebraska. It's obviously not California, but it's still a long trip. Um, but now you just have to, you know, add some more components to that to make sure that the, it reduces the travel. But it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out again, pimping the athletic again from my friend Scott Doctum my co-host on the Hot Pot, Hotspot Podcast. There's a story on the athletic from last night, I believe, or yesterday afternoon talking about the travel obstacles and hurdles for USC and UCLA. So it's already gone into uh they're also they've already gone into the process of trying to figure it out. Now it's a matter of coming up with the best plan uh for everybody involved because it's not just USC and UCLA. Like I said, it's the other schools in the Big 10 that now have farther to travel no matter who it is, whether you're coming, you know, from Ohio State and going to USC or coming from Penn State to get those are your longer trips. And hopefully they can figure out a way logistically uh, to make the travel as seamless as possible and allow the student athletes to be student athletes and not just athletes traveling traveling around the country. I know they talked about using commercial flights too. And that sounds like a money saving effort more than anything else. Um, and we'll see how that goes over with NIL. <laughs> when you start, because, you know, if you've flown commercially, you're dealing, you know, you you, you fly, uh, I don't think the football teams will deal with that. But I mean, you know, you're on a commercial flight, you know, you're, you know, UCLA basketball and you're going to Rutgers on a commercial flight and maybe this isn't for, for men's basketball either, and then you have delays, weather delays, things like that. And I, I know that stuff happens with chartered flights as well, but dealing with mechanical issues and all that other stuff of commercial flights would be a nightmare if you're trying to travel for athletics, and especially when you have games scheduled and the team that's traveling may not get there in time for said game, which is already earmarked for a TV broadcast that you, you know, are getting money from that TV Entity to broadcast it could be a nightmare, so we'll see how the commercial flights work out for u s c and u c l a It's nice to save money, but you'll also have to deal with the the uh draw the drawbacks yeah the pitfalls of traveling commercially. Dan Brockett at freakademic on twitter if k f is k f praising the offensive line because he's seen enough to be confident they'll perform or because he thinks they need the confidence a good question Dan and um kind of answer this how I've been answering this question all off season at this event last year and this event was the big 10 media days in Indianapolis Kirk Ferentz said very much something very much similar to what he said last week which is he has confidence that the offensive line is going to be good and take a huge step forward it didn't last year so now I am of the opinion that not that I don't trust him, but maybe he's just being overly optimistic to help them with their confidence um I do think just natural maturity level from a maturity standpoint, they should be better. You have a center now who's had a year under his belt. You've got you know Connor Colby who's played two seasons, Mason Richmond, who's played two seasons. Uh, Rusty Feth, who's coming in as a fifth or sixth-year player from Miami of Ohio. Uh, Nick DeYoung has played now for three years. I think he's you know had meaningful game reps. Um, you know Jennings Dunker and Bo Stevens, and there's a bunch of other guys that I think. Uh, Dejon Parker was brought in um, you know there's there are a lot of pieces there so I think part of his part of his thought process is we have a lot of bodies many of them with experience they should be better but it's a matter of finding the right five that will work together there's chemistry and continuity, particularly in the zone blocking schemes and then going from there Uh, in terms of building up as the season goes on, there will be injuries. It happens every year on the offensive line, but it seems like there's the depth there that gives you confidence that the, and experience depth and quality depth that hopefully you can absorb if there's an injury or two. Um, you certainly don't want that to be, uh, to one of your main players, uh, particularly at center, I think you'd like to see Logan Jones continue there. But you have a guy like Mike Michael Mislinski, who's now in his third year, I think, on campus, who's dealt with injuries, who may be ready to take a step forward, not only at center but at guard. So I think he's being optimistic, but he was optimistic last summer, and that optimism was not met with performance. So we'll see what happens. Like everything else with this Iowa offense – me personally, this is just me. You approach it however you want. It's wait and see. Wait, wait and see if they put these players in position to succeed. I didn't think they did that last year. And you could say, well, they had a quarterback that couldn't get the job done and offensive line that was leaky. And all those things are true. But you have to find ways when you have deficiencies to hide them better than what Brian Ferentz did last year. He almost seemed like he accentuated the deficiencies and and it made it worse. So hopefully lessons were learned not only on the coaching staff but with the players and the whole group is ready to take a step forward this year. Cause if the offensive line looks like it did last year, I don't see the offense being much better. And that's, you know, you're dealing with a quarterback that's coming off an injury as well and surgery. Uh I, I, you know, you, you got a guy that's going to take hits. Um that would not be good. So Wait and see for me, Dan. Uh, but in answer to your question, I think it's in part that Ferret sees the maturity and history tells him that when he has some experience on the offensive line, it performs the best. Um, and then also, I think he's trying to, you know, uh, and still some confidence in the guys as well, because he went out of his way unsolicited to praise George Barnett, too, who has not had a good run here as an offensive line coach. I don't know if that's how much of that is on him and how much of that is on recruiting or whatever. Uh, But the bottom line is you have to, if you're coaching a position, it needs to play a lot better than it has the last two seasons. Then we'll finish up with Clint Harms at Until Game, a frequent contributor to the Mailbag podcast. Are conferences eventually going to get so super big that in a lot of ways, things will go back to normal? For example, I could see the Big Ten having a West, Midwest, East divisions, and teams will end up playing their old familiar foes. I've thought about that, Clint. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. And I've thought about you know, talking earlier about if the Big Tw- Big Ten gets to 20 teams. Um, you know, is it just one huge division with the top two making the Big Ten championship game? And how equitable is that? You know, you're going to have, you know, TV is going to want to see USC against Ohio State, but is it fair for those schools to play an extra tough opponent because that's what TV wants? And does that unbalanced give you unbalanced results as it relates to, um, you know the divisional race or the conference regular season race do they break it up into as i said five pots where you know it's it's UCLA USC Oregon Washington and Utah that's your five west pod um and then you've got you know maybe your western midwest pod which is um Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and maybe Illinois or Northwestern in that pod. And then whoever had a Northwestern in Illinois, I guess you may want to keep Illinois and, and Northwestern together. Then you have, you know, a pod maybe east of that, which is, um, I don't know, if Notre Dame comes in, put them in with um, – Purdue and Indiana, because they're all Indiana schools with Notre Dame, and then add in, you know, maybe Michigan and Michigan State, and then put Ohio State in with Penn State uh and Maryland and Rutgers. And who am I missing? You get the idea, though. So you could do that in pods, and it would look like, uh I think it would look like what we used to have, where teams were playing each other more based on regional – affiliation or location in the country, ge- geographic uh, rivalries, more natural that way. So we'll see where this goes. I think there are so many possibilities out there that it would be hard to this pin down and say, this is the way they should do it. There are a lot of great ideas out there and hopefully they can, they can figure out how to make it work. All right, folks, that's it for the questions in the podcast. Um, uh, appreciate everybody who sent in their questions I want to thank all of our sponsors for supporting the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will be back on Thursday morning, 9 a.m. That'll be live on YouTube with Scott Docterman for the Hotspot Podcast. And I'll be back with the mailbag uh, next Tuesday, August the 8th. So if you're listening to this now and you have a question and didn't get in on this one, hashtag HFmail, fire it my way, and we will get to it on the next podcast. Thanks again, everybody. Talk to you soon. Peace.